An American Parable, a So Powerful Parable by Dana Buck. About the eleventh hour, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, Why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. Matthew 20, verse 6 through 7. What would the story be if Jesus' parable of the vineyard workers was set in America? An American Parable, a so powerful parable by Dana Buck. Have you ever lain within your bed, awake but with closed eyes? You know the sky is lightning and the time has come to rise. Yet there you lay beneath the sheet. You hear the tick and talk. What would you give if you'd the chance to freeze that relentless clock? Left up to you, you'd slip back to that dream about the beach. But as with dreams, it softly fades and stays just out of reach. So you name and then eliminate each excuse to stay in bed. When each reason is exhausted, only then you lift your head. The morning air is chilly, so's the floor beneath your feet as you shuffle to the kitchen to make something to eat. There, sitting at the table with a half-sipped glass of water, is why you finally rose from bed, your smiling, lovely daughter. She brightly chirps, Hi, Daddy! Hints a greeting straight from heaven. You can't believe she's grown so big. Next week she will be seven. You kiss her on the forehead, her scent a flower petal. Despite the cold, she warms the room as you move to fill the kettle. You search for bread for toasting, what's left? One slice, one heel. Your back's kept to the table, so your worried look's concealed. For you'll never let her see it, never let her share your trial. By the time you reach the table, digging deep, you find a smile. You set a plate before her and exchanging tickling touches, You move to share her breakfast, careful not to bump her crutches. They lean against the table as you slide around behind her. She doesn't really notice as you dodge those grim reminders. It's near two years they've been with her. She never does complain or comment on the accident that caused you so much pain. You think about her mother and the note she left behind that feeling that your world was spinning only to unwind. You shake your head and sip your tea. There's no profit in these thoughts. The rent is due, there's bills to pay. Don't tie yourself in knots. You're rescued from your thinking by the one that you love most, for she's telling you a little tale between her bites of toast. Daddy, Grandma read me a story from a very special book. I really, really liked it. As she spoke, her finger shook. You should read it to me. Grandma said you have one too. It's about a man from long ago who everybody knew. He really loved the children when all others would forget them. Some tried to chase the kids away, but the nice man wouldn't let them. Grandma told me all about it. It was just before my nap. He sat upon a rock and let the kids sit on his lap. He'd pick them up and hold them tight at a place called Galilee. And Grandma said if I'd been there, he would have carried me. It made me glad to think of it. I have been ever since. 
Will you read it to me? Her request held such suspense. I don't know if I can find it. You tell your little lie, for you know it's in your closet, on the shelf above your ties. You remember when you put it there. It was such an awful night, when in anger and frustration you just shoved it out of sight. Well, I'll look while you're at work. Her joy was plain to see. When you get home, we'll snuggle up and you can read to me. You're thankful when the doorbell rings and you can move to answer. While in her chair, she sings a song and dreams that she's a dancer. Through the door comes Grandma, as she does most every day. You grab your hat, put on your coat, and prepare to make your way. You gently hug your mother and kiss your little girl. They both call out, good luck to you, as you step out into the world. Down four flights, you quickly move. You take the stairs by twos, stepping over refuse and discarded fifths of booze. Then out the door and down the street, around and up the hill, your breath creates soft puffs of white in the morning's icy chill. Then down the hill, around the bend, you see your target corner. Already men are gathered there like a churchyard full of mourners. Their hands are shoved in pockets and their collars turned up high. Each man a stark reminder of how hard you'll have to try. As you join the milling throng outside a wooden shed, a booming voice is rising from the man they call Big Ed. All right, you men, now gather round. The trucks will soon be here. You know the drill. No man gets work except through me. That clear? So form a line and pony up. You better make it good. As he spoke, the trucks arrived with each half filled with wood. So one by one, the huddled mass starts moving towards the trucks. Before they climb aboard, each man gives Ed some hard-earned bucks. As you advance, your eyes just burn and tear up in your sockets because you know so very well there's no money in your pockets. And with each man who pays and goes, your heart is filled with dread. For soon you stand with empty hands and have to face Big Ed. Right now you have no money, but the boss should pay today. You promise Ed you'll double what you normally would pay. What am I, a charity? Ed gives his thumb a jerk. If you ain't got no money, then my friend, you got no work. He pushes you aside, then hollers out, that's all. The gates close on the trucks, and away they slowly crawl. As you stand there on the corner with the others who are broke, one by one they walk away. None tarried and no one spoke. You hurry to the brickyard, for there may be something there, but the foreman says he's sorry. Open jobs are really rare. It's the same down at the bakery and at the lumber mill. There's no work found at the stockyards or at the bar and grill. The morning turns to afternoon. Your shoes feel worn right through. You can't conceive of going home without bread or soup or stew. Despair begins to raise its head. You know the signs of warning. You walk back to the corner where you first began your morning. As you stand there, out of options and not knowing what to do, a truck pulls up, a, a man leans out and hollers out, Hey you! 
You nod and hurry over just as quickly as you can. The man inquires, you want some work? We really need another man. The pay won't be too hefty, as his voice got low and dour, but if you're interested and willing, we can work you for an hour. With a yes and with a handshake, you leap into the back. The truck moves down the roadway as you sit on burlap sacks. When you reach the destination, you see off to your right, Big Ed and all the fellas are at work on this job site. The foreman calls you over and he shows you what to do. You're fresh, and so the task's complete just as your hour is through. A whistle's blowing loudly. All the men just drop their tools, and their foreheads bead with sweat, just like a thousand little jewels. The foreman sets a table upon which the roster's laid, and the men fall in to form a line, excited to be paid. Attention, calls the foreman, and the men respect his power. I'll start with wages for the man who worked the last shift hour. You walk up to the table, past Big Ed and all the boys, and the foreman has an envelope. His face seems full of joy. He moves to hand it over, this man who's so respected. It seems far too substantial, and much more than you expected. You tell the smiling foreman, there must be some mistake, for you only worked an hour. There's more here than you should make. I really like your attitude and how you work your way. To acknowledge your good effort, your wage is for the day. He reaches out to shake your hand, and ah, this means so much to you. I'll expect you back tomorrow. We've got so much work to do. You move beyond the table, feeling lighter than a feather, while behind you, Big Ed laughs out loud and rubs his hands together. Imagine, boys, Big Ed exclaims, if he fulfills his hopes... Is there any doubt that we'll be pleased with our pay envelopes? Then one by one, the men were paid, but their laughter came to sputter. For the wage they got was for the day, and they began to whine and mutter. Big Ed walks to the foreman with a visage dark and grim. Uh, excuse me, but it isn't fair that we're paid the same as him. I've been here since this morning. Now the sun is going down. This is not what I expected. Something more here should be found. Why are you dissatisfied? You're paid as we agreed. He sensed a darkness in this man, the avarice and greed. I kept right to our bargain. My word was straight and true. If I am generous with him, what's that to do with you? Big Ed, he had no argument, no leg on which to stand. He turned and strode out angrily with his pay clutched in his hand. As you climb into the truck, the other men do too. Big Ed's the last to jump in back, and you can feel his eyes on you. And when you reach the corner, it's nearly getting dark. The trucks pull up with squealing brakes, and the men all disembark. You turn to start your journey home as the dust grows even colder. But before you move a single step, a hand lays on your shoulder. I think we've got some business says Big Ed, his presence trouble. I accept the early offer that you made to pay me double. I'm sure you've just forgotten, so I thought that I'd remind you. As his words hung in the air, you sent some men move in behind you. As you quickly lose your options between the choice of fight or flee, Big Ed leans close and smiling says, Okay, sport, what will it be? 
Surrounded by a dozen men and confronted by this baddie, the tension's sharply broken as a voice calls out, Hi, Daddy. The head of every man is turned, the surprise is so complete, as a little girl on crutches makes her way across the street. Grandma said that we could come, that you would think it's nice. I hope that you are proud of me. I, I only rested once or twice. I might need help as we walk home, the men all heard her say. Maybe you could carry me a, a little of the way. It was then she really noticed all the men around her dad. She thought just for a second, then brightly spoke to add, These men must be your friends. I'm so happy I can greet you. It's really good to know you all, and I'm very glad to meet you. Next week, I have a birthday, she said, now so excited. I know my dad won't mind a bit if I say you're all invited. The men had dropped their eyes and were shuffling their feet. That is, except for Ed, who found this charming child a treat. Oh, now, my little darling, and his laugh was rich and hearty. You don't want this bunch of tramps coming to your birthday party. You are so sweet and generous, and I feel you have unmasked me. For tis you who've given me a gift, just because you kindly asked me. So thank you, little missy. Uh, you've made this gang so glad. I, I hope we get to meet again. You go on home now with your dad. Big Ed then looks right at you and cracks a smile and gives a wink. Come on, you scurvy lads, he calls. Let's go get ourselves a drink. As Big Ed and all his boys make their way back down the street, you kneel and hug your daughter. Nothing feels quite so complete. For life still has its lessons, no matter breadth or length. It's in what we see as weakness that God shows his greatest strength. You put her on your shoulders with her grandma by your side. Start the journey home, a new bounce found in your stride. Daddy, I just remembered. I really, really looked. I searched and searched for hours, but I couldn't find that special book. You smile and look up skyward, for there's no greater love than his. Don't worry, little sweetheart. I know exactly where it is. As a young person, I can recall reading Jesus' parable of the vineyard workers and feeling a bit upset. Why in the heck did the guys working only one hour get paid the same as those who worked all day? That question was likely followed by my perennial favorite observation, that's not fair. I think it was only with some age, experience, and maturity that what Jesus was trying to teach came clear. No one was ripped off here. The all-day workers got exactly what was promised to them, a day's wage. Unfortunately, these workers compared their paychecks with workers with whom the vineyard owner chose to be generous. Suddenly, a situation that was fine moments ago was no longer fine. Once we begin judging the quality of our circumstances based on a comparison with others, we are on a slippery slope to jealousy and discontentment. When we view our circumstances through our relationship with Christ, we know that He will meet all our needs according to His love, mercy, and grace. When we find our fulfillment and contentment in Him, we don't need to look for it elsewhere. What freedom! 
The second lesson from this parable is, we don't always know the detail of another's situation. Someone who appears to be gaining something extra probably has a backstory we know nothing about. Let's allow God to be the great leveler, which frees us to rejoice for those who may get a good break. That's the recipe for thankfulness and contentment.